0: You're listening to the Esports Business Network podcast. Today's guest, Dr. Miles Harvey. Dr. Harvey is a research scientist, esports coach, and middle school teacher innovatively implementing video games into his curriculum. Enjoy the show. business network podcast my name is Cameron aka Aristotle and I'm here with the CEO of esports business network Trent Knox uh Trent how you doing today man dude it's a great day as always thank you yeah absolutely is absolutely we have an awesome guest today uh Dr. Miles Harvey hey how's it going (laughs) how you doing man
1: I'm doing pretty good it's Friday
0: yeah absolutely absolutely you cannot frown on a Friday it's just yeah i mean you're about to be off for a couple days there's nothing that could go wrong
1: on a friday there's there's, unless you're that teacher who makes that that you know makes that mistake in six period and you're like god i gotta think about this all weekend like (laughs) is that parent gonna call me i'm like man why did you why couldn't you make it 10 more minutes through the period you know you gotta you gotta avoid those
0: so for our listeners that do not know um mr or dr harvey i should say i keep calling him calling you mister i mean you didn't work all this All those years (laughs) in school just to be called Mr. You're Dr. Harvey. Uh, Dr. Harvey is a middle school educator, research scientist, and esports coach, and a gamer as well. I mean, what do you not do? (laughs) Sleep. Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. So, um, initially, we usually start off with a similar question. Um, We're going to go ahead and ask you what in your, in your, gaming career we could say what started you off what was the first game that you picked up and you were like hey this is kind of cool
1: oh man uh you know to be honest the very first time that i played nintendo 64 super mario 64 for my birthday no i'm excuse me for christmas um that was probably the most glorious day of all i think Not just because it's really cool to get a gaming console for the holidays, as that is coming up for many children right now. I think they're going to have one of those episodes Mm -hmm. that I had. And I was taking a look back with my student teacher yesterday, and he was looking through some of my papers. And he goes, is this like a history of you in gaming? And it has like a graph of like when I was in fourth grade, the Nintendo 64 came out. And I was like, man, can you imagine how it felt to be me? And all of a sudden, you know, all of these books and all of these things that we were reading, like they came to 3D life. And for the first time, I could run around in a three-dimensional area, and it was just like mind-breaking for me. Like yeah. what? Like I can like the beginning levels of Nintendo 64 Super Mario 64 are just sublime to me. They just make you feel Absolutely. so. Absolutely.
0: I, I personally own one, and it is right behind me right now. Um, I definitely agree with you. I'm sure Trent agrees as well. Uh, it's kind of hard to beat, uh, that Mario 3d, you know, jumping into the portraits and stuff is just so iconic, uh, personally. Mm.
1: And I just want to say too, like for kids, you know, that's always changing. So now when you're in fourth grade and you put the new Oculus quest on, you're like, what? Whoa. You know, and everybody's minds are like continuously blown. Like, We always do like a my history with media at the beginning of the year because I'm like I need to figure out like what you've digested like what has what has been like what have you worn what have you played like who are you
0: Mm -hmm. so so the Nintendo 64 is really what captivated you um that's pretty pretty common um you know that's a pretty popular uh you know console but uh, what? Okay, so you're a teacher, and uh, you're a media teacher. Is that correct?
1: I mean, it's a safe title. It's really game-based learning, not gamification, uh-huh. but true AAA title indie game, game-based, you know, code, interdisciplinary kind of stuff. Huh? Could you
0: elaborate elaborate on that a little more?
1: Well, I've had a media literacy elective class for a while, and my professional background is in literacy, and a lot of the conceptual and theoretical connections actually overlap amongst the two game based Uh learning and digital literacy are just extensions of traditional print based static forms of literature and conventions of ways of meaning and you know when we think about giving players the agency to control the options in a game that's far more superior than the authority or the author of a text guiding someone from point a to point b and I think being able to use video games in a multimodal way is truly the way we get kids to be immersed in literature, just like people were immersed in Shakespeare. It was a three-dimensional thing. They were out there at the play. They weren't reading I and Vic pentameter. They couldn't even read back then. So it's wow. like thinking about the way we tie in this stuff, it, it actually makes the most literal sense to use the best media we have. Mm -hmm. to get kids to learn the most traditional things possible
0: absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely and i'm sure that you're the most popular teacher in the school for that very reason (laughs) uh it's very innovative Um, what does what does an average class look like
1: well lately i've been running my class like a stream like a podcast like a gamer stream since we're all 100 virtual i thought why don't we just run it like a show um, and the idea kind of came to me at the beginning of last year when we had to finish off virtual And I knew final fantasy 7 the remake was coming out And I was like i'm gonna play this because every year At some point in the year I get a new game I like wait up at midnight at GameStop or whatever and I have it like the next morning and then like we play The release that all the kids are waiting to get home to play, you know, right And I that was destiny two one time and you know going back there's different titles, but you know, now I'm like, well, I'm still going to do Final Fantasy. And, you know, it took me 33 hours to play and I, Mm -hmm. there's 18 chapters and I'm not like, you know, a pro. Um, but if you were to listen to any book on podcast or YouTube, you know, a traditional book for young adults is like four and a half hours, seven hours on YouTube, like a read aloud. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've never hit, you know, read aloud is now with a game that's called streaming. You know, like that's a 32 hour project. Like, all right. I'm going to see you for the next two months. Come on to the stream. I got assignments. I have activities. Get on the stream, Maybe roll call. How you doing? Good morning. Who's got orange juice? You know, it just becomes like, whoa, like this streamer is actually taking care of people. And wait, it's called teaching. Everybody, you know, like, thumbs up in the chat. Let me know if you got questions about, you know, the antagonist and I'm actually gaming aloud. I'm able to Mm. backseat game myself. I'm able to talk about concepts and conventions and a lot of the great things that you would do with any piece of great like literature it's awesome
0: wow dude wow that is it's it's crazy to think about i've never put two and two together you know being a gamer my entire life i I kind of just picked up on these things you know like whenever my teach my literacy liter, i liter i don't know what the word is what it was the actual uh uh
2: Great. Plain old English teacher. English, Yeah, English. English. I
0: I don't know what the term was off the top. Uh, Yeah, my English teacher, whenever they brought forward the word antagonist, you know, I would kind of just put two and two together in the back of my head, you know, like, oh, Bowser. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and that's that's really cool, man. That's so awesome. Especially right now. It's like, you know, with this COVID stuff, like you said, everything's virtual. Um, it, It couldn't be a better situation for you.
1: No, and I think the best stories are the ones that we get to have some agency over and some um, experience. I think, like, there's a greater term for it called transactionalism. where like, you know, we're given something and something in return is uh, given back to us, you know. And I think the game continuously gives that. Um, I think maybe it's more of interactionalism, you know, because maybe both are changing. I don't know. It's getting pretty complicated, but adding VR... And adding game-based strategies into my traditional teaching strategies has pretty much guaranteed that my students come to class like they're excited and when i talk about you know universal themes or what a motif is or can you tell me about the subplot you know i like cried when i was playing final fantasy 7 i was like oh my gosh like i'm on the stream I'm like this is just so ridiculous like ah, i didn't want to blow the story you know and i'm like I'm like, oh, this is real. Like, I can't, I can't fake this. Like, this is, this is very meaningful stuff, you know. And like, people are like, oh my gosh, like, oh, I'm crying too. And I'm like, this is the craziest teaching experience of my life. Like, um, that's what it's all about. And I think a lot of teachers, I'll say this: the average age of a teacher in this country, USA, is 42, and the average age of a gamer, based on um, the ESA, they say they're like 34, 35. So like we're reaching an intersecting point where you'll always have a teacher who is like, well, yeah, I played games. Just as synonymous as a teacher would be like, oh, yeah, I read books or I watched movies or I know radio or I know TV. Mm.
2: Yeah, very cool. Very engaging. I feel like that's a different thing that we've got going on. I want to roll back a little bit and ask you a question. So did you originally grow up? What was your adolescence like in New Mexico? Mexico? Yeah, <laughs> um, born and raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Gotcha. And so what was gaming like as far as, like, a culture growing up in New Mexico?
1: Um, I mean, the coolest place I remember was this little – in the, at the mall, There's a place called Tilt. You know, you could go mm-hmm. there and hang out back in the 90s. But um, I always remember all the Targets and all the grocery stores with their little glass casing areas with the Game Boys and the Super Nintendos. And I always remember thinking, like, this is the coolest part of the store. It used to be – the video game section was the coolest. Now it's like the makeup section of every store, like you're in the Jetsons. It's like crazy. I'm like, whoa, give the video game section of these stores some love here, people. I want the lasers and the lights back like it used to be. And now like, you know, that it, that's what it reminds me of. The culture back then was more of a commercial piece, you know, like when you went to your friend's house, you might have had uh, a few devices and it was more of like mm-hmm. hey bring your uh bring your N64 controller I'm broke I have two uh and I mm-hmm. also need batteries for your rumble pack wait what like I'll yeah. be over in 15
2: yeah absolutely so what was your first en- engagement yourself in esports
1: well uh you know it wasn't until I was out of college mm-hmm. and I had run through video games and you know pretty much gotten used to using them as a curricular tool Mm -hmm. and i thought well you know battle of the books is pretty popular and i was trying to think of ways to you know use video games to compete and it was just right in front of me it's so funny and so was the game i had rocket league and i just didn't make too much of it it's like that book that you're like Yeah, you know, I didn't really pick it up until I was like, oh, my gosh, this book is amazing, right? And I was like, wow, that was kind of eSports and Rocket League. A couple years ago, I saw some kids doing some stuff, and I was like, I didn't know you could do that. That's kind of neat, you know? And they're like, yeah, it's actually a pretty cool game, you know? And i (laughs) was like, you know, you're kind of like, I wouldn't normally listen to the things that you would, you know, uh, know, what your opinion would be about a game. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I think you're right. I started playing it, and, and, of course, it was great. So uh, I fell in love with it. And, of course, anyone hmm. who likes something looks a little bit more into it, and then they fall in love and start watching esports, and you're like, oh, I get it. I I remember my students talking about – oh, the Vancouver this and oh, and you're all oh, the LA that and I'm like, dang, this is great. Like, this is the discourse that I wasn't really a part of in my classroom. That was always happening. It was this, mm-hmm. hey, did you did you see Rizzo? And oh, man, were you aware of cloud nine? I'm like, what the heck are you talking about at first? You know, so it really mm-hmm. exploded. And I have to say, like, esports, for me was an extension of a, of a whole storm of of great things coming together and i think here we are
0: wow wow i think that's super awesome that you know as a teacher your students actually taught you something uh, about esports and you learned and kind of evolved with it um, i think that's super cool man um so so you're an esports coach as well at this school correct or just
1: yeah i mean you know it's awesome as of last week i became a north american scholastic esports federation fellow so i'm super excited to um join some scholars across uh all the globe this year and we're trying to make you know esports a little bit more accessible for people in the southwest united states so we started the western regional middle school esports conference and so we have teams from california to new mexico and you know going north up to our neighbors in canada and we're like really excited to Finally not have to wait, you know, and have a two hour time zone difference potentially every other weekend between a match and here in New Jersey or, you know, it was just kind of tough. So I'm like, we need to make our own. That's a big project there. And right. I also have a book coming out. So it's just like, I. oh, and I got to teach. You're like, oh, man, when are you going to coach? I'm like, when am I going to learn how to flip reset? <laughs> like, you won't. I'm like, okay.
0: <laughs> I got you. I got you. Wow. Definitely have a lot on your plate. Um that's that's really cool, though. Uh, the uh, the whole conference situation is that like a league amongst the uh, middle schools.
1: Yeah, I thought you know traditionally there was there were people who were in a grassroots effort, like Steve Isaacs and and Chris Aviles uh, in the East Coast trying to get schools together, and and I joined up last year, and you know I I kind of was like just looking for you know the shoulders of giants stand on and see what's up. Uh, it turned on it turned out to be like you know. The biggest giants were my students. They just took off with the program. I happened to also be running a TV film production class that did the news for the school. And so we just used it as our like production studio for esports. So we just started cranking out as a machine everything. I realized I'll just treat my class like an organization and I'll pretend that I'm a professional esports coach that gets paid as a teacher salary who has 26 players. And I'm in charge of their well-being. And I thought, you know what? One day this might actually turn into something. This is much more than just uh, a club or a competitive organization. Like this is this is like a scouting troop to a kid. You know, this is like a basketball team to a competitive you know player. So right. I was really pumped about it all.
0: Right. So essentially, what you're saying is uh, the whole School of Rock movie and everything was written about you,
1: except with gaming, right? <laughs> um,
0: pretty much it was uh, with rock band. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. That's super cool, man. Um, I, I I just don't even know what to say. I'm kind of speechless. I mean, it's such a a brilliant idea. now do you do you stream outside of teaching as well? like do your, do your students go home and say, "Oh, I got to tune uh, into Dr. Harveys stream?"
1: Yeah, I came onto my Discord the other day and my my kids had some rally to get me to 300 subs and I was laughing, right? Because they're like, we need one more. And I was like, oh gosh, like I don't need this. Like, come on. And I have like 300 videos on my teacher channel. It's my YouTube channel. And I have everything from teaching how you can use VR, how you can run an esports practice in your middle school, you know, and I've reached out to the popular you know, Rocket League people, and you know they're all pretty. Of course, yeah, they have course. no time for us. So, I, you know, I'm saying, well, okay, there's a whole education sector here, uh, and you know, we're on the right podcast to talk business. And I'll say that, and as it, as a area, education is the most untapped area that video games and AAA based entertainment have not quite broken into. And it's and it's very interesting to me that some companies um haven't taken leaps yet. And I think esports to me is the biggest front for learning I have ever seen in my life. Because at first glance it looks like all fun and play. And then when you bring a principal in and you show all the critical thinking and conceptual knowledge and interdisciplinary learning, they just trip out. And I go, you know, my attendance is perfect. I have a 3.0 We are scholar gamers. Look at these guys. I have kids who go off. They fly drones. I have people who are interested in the United Space Force now. So I'm like, I guess my kids are going to fly satellites because I'd rather have a grand champ in Rocket League fly this massive machine than some person who went to school for six months. These kids have been training their whole life. So it's really, really interesting to see like. The stuff I'm doing, they go, well, what is this going to do for our kids? They go, it's the most undefined learning outcome possible. And if you're looking for such a defined one, you are so regressive. You don't even know because these jobs that these kids are hoping to get, Mm -hmm. they're 14. They might not even exist yet. Like you don't ask a kid what they're going to be when they grow up anymore. You ask them what problems they want to solve. You ask them what they need to figure out. I mean, it's, it's, it's the brand new era. It's crazy, yeah
0: dude, you're so right, and that's something that a lot of people don't even think about and uh really really eye opening you know and especially when it comes to the military, that was an interesting uh piece that you brought up there, the space force and whatnot, and how how this generation that's coming up is going to uh, be so intelligent in that field, you know, and controlling satellites and you know uh what is it like uh guided rockets and stuff you know you play you play call of duty and you learn how to do all that stuff, you know what I mean so it's just mm-hmm. it's so cool and interesting. I didn't even think about that
1: and, and and get this too, you have your gamer buddies, and you know who, when like they're last alive or whatever, like they have a good shot or they don't, you know, and it's the buddy when you're like, no, no, he's good. And you're like dude imagine if he was and you filled in the blank and you gave him any important task you know you want to be looking over the most ultra important surgery practices with robots yeah welcome to uh, the future of my students you know so the business sector needs to be looking at the vertical alignment between the outcomes and undefined outcomes of what my kids are doing and where they can be tracked from there to guide them to these places because the normal trajectories mm. that lead these kids to successful pathways don't necessarily include game-based learning naturally, and kids learn to stop playing games because they're told they're not important. I, you know, even my student teacher this year was like, "I sold my, I sold my Xbox last year, you know, because I started working full time." And I was like, "What?" I was like, "What? You, you sell your bookshelf and burn your books?" I was like, "Wait, come on, man! Like, what are you talking mm. about? You know?" And I was like, "You buy that back from your brother mm. now." Um.
2: I guess this is sort of where I step in, and this this sort of conversation makes me kind of uncomfortable uh you know with regulation when it comes to to the industry and and child labor and cop coppa in general uh there's a lot of good reason why the industry doesn't advertise and uh w- you know work in the particular with children it's so un it's a it's an area where there's not a lot of um, regulation there's not a lot of uh education for guardians and parents as far as how they're supposed to handle uh contracts um when it comes to business, I think organization owners want to want to stay as far away from regulation as possible this isn't again this is an industry that's international not national so you you kind of face some international uh border issues and not knowing how to properly work with an a, a, the talent for lack of a better term um which comes out of the the youth um i would probably ask someone like you who has the the system and behind them to a degree uh what you would advise people in um for-profit businesses to do when interacting with the youth
1: I and mean, I think that's that's kind of even the whole point I, I was hoping of this conversation is to to bridge kind of a commercial connection between the education market of esports which at first let me tell you is 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 a huge spectrum of complete ignorance to oh yeah like I know I'm I was waiting for someone to to sell me this and it's like that's okay there's that but then Mm -hmm. the key in is the teacher the teacher is a licensed professional the teacher is the one who's licensed Mm -hmm. in a culturally responsive way to that area and it's it's like specific to that demographic you know Teachers go to school, they are trained on how to culturally appropriate their curriculums and their activities in a way that is effective and thoughtful. So you, you don't get a bunch of, I don't you know, know where this is coming from. I say industry experts go to the teachers. The teachers help make these connections because they're the ones, honestly, who feel like they get superseded all the time and they never even get hurt. Um, they're the biggest agents not only to create deals, because then they're the ones who when your teacher goes to a principal and asks them, "Hey, can we get this?" That's a much better sale than when a um you know somebody comes into the office hoping to talk to the uh you know the instructional coach or the assistant principal. I think the demand comes from within, and the money is paid that way mm-hmm. as well. So if you want to find ways to bring the market in, you have to bring the ideas of the teacher to the principals and in the inside school
2: i agree I agree. Um, there are two things that I, that push back in my head is, um, that education is not nationalized. And the other thing is that, uh, regulation is not, um, not nationalized either. It is circumstantial and the teacher, while they have this, their source, they aren't necessarily the regulatory body. And then it comes down to what is the influence on the school school board, and then it comes down to another thing, which is what who's the biggest uh, donor to the particular you know school district, and that could force out some of us in who are trying to do the right thing, and put it in the hands of people who are more in the um, ones trying to create the narrative of what a person is supposed
1: to be sure 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 i you know and i i always say this there's a it was a popular phrase in education there's nothing so good that education won't ruin it you know and they ruin books mm-hmm. they ruin movies they commercialize everything and they test everything i do think if it falls into the wrong hands especially the ones who are comfortable working with children and these are the biggest companies you find that deal with education who in the last five years have made this leap from traditional static literature to digital content, and they're not—they're not, mm-hmm. not your—you know—they. Ah, it just seems like it was—it was there all along. And so, um, I—you I, know—I don't understand the business side of of uh, of it all. But as a teacher, I will say that it often makes me think I could make a lot of money because the money is there if the need and the right circumstances fit. And I think the people who are often looking for it or willing to buy an education are also open-minded. And I think eSports is something in particular that with recent research and all of the media showing and the virtual presence we have, it's a kind of uh, a new, I mean, I got two emails today from our school district. We only have three schools interested. We're the 34th largest school district in the country. Mm-hmm. And now we have four middle schools interested. And I bet you next week we'll have five. And I think that, you know, that number is going to grow. Uh, and so will the need. And I think this year is the breakout year for a market within educational esports from K through 12. Yeah, I agree? Mean,
2: there's, uh, and, and Cameron, I'll, you can move back into this after because i can't can't, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the the guy's name here but there are a couple of different organizations out there you brought up nacef you brought um and there's also like in tandem the esports education network which is not necessarily uh related to us in in that way but there's the esports education network that's doing good things uh in partnership with the varsity sports federate or varsity esports federation and and a bunch of regulatory bodies um, that unfortunately you don't see them in, in the, in the scene. Like you find me at the front of the, you know, front of the stage with the camera in, you know, in the trenches, I don't ever see these people. And this is when I get into that boss talk, but I don't see these people. They're not in the conversation. They, you know, I feel like in the education space have built up sort of a, you do a favor for me, I do a favor for you, network. Now everybody kind of has a number and and really they're not in the trenches. Like I hear what you're doing and it's really inspiring. If I heard that story from every single teacher, it would be different. Now it's not necessarily the common story.
1: <laughs> that, would be, that would
2: be so sick. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's usually someone who's just been put in charge of, you know, babysitting this new program that, Maybe the principal or the, you know, um, president of the school board decided that it's a good idea. Now they put the, you know, the football coach or whoever in charge of the program and now it's being ran and they don't know what the difference between, uh, an FPS and a MOBA is and they're trying <laughs> to get it together. But,
1: um, Here are the keys boys. I'll see you at six. Yeah. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Exactly. You know, going back to the COVID thing, you really hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, it's so crazy to think that not even 12 months ago, we were kind of unaware, or I say we as like a, I guess a country, uh, generally unaware of esports and gaming. And, you know, we still had that, that stigma lingering of um you know nerds uh you know losers you know the introverts you know if you're a gamer then you're probably not as good at communicating socially you know that kind of thing was still there and i know that uh, you know in your realm with the t- mm-hmm. the students that you teach and stuff that stigma doesn't really exist so as this um stigma that we're referring to Uh, dissolves what do you think is going to happen with with gaming and and this whole uh genre in in general
1: that's a really insightful question i mean i'm actually impressed you that's that's good to have That's an empathetic perspective for sure to kind of be in my classroom and and kind of see that for sure because i can say that uh my students over the last I, i think i've been teaching middle school somehow for nine years it's kind of crazy and uh you know, it used to be that right, it was it was stupid to be kind of a nerd. And I always thought it was pretty cool. Like, you know, and and I was also a big athlete, college hockey player, you know, I was, you know, I wasn't your traditional, I guess, video game player, but I guess that's also its own discussion in itself. And throughout my teaching experience, I've heard kids you know, talk less and less about how uncool things are, and they've talking more and more about games, and it's been more and more inclusive. And lately, the trend was, you know, it's hard to get the the cool kids in my esports club because they have other things to do. Uh, hmm. And you know, I honestly can tell you from my experience that the best players aren't the ones in the school in the gaming club they're the ones who talk crap about those kids who are in the esports clubs because they think they're good and i could beat them Uh, and it just reminds me like the mighty ducks you know and you're like well get the kid with the crazy slap shot in the back alley to join the team then and finally those kids are joining esports and i'm saying that that is the long-term connection between that kid eventually flying a satellite for space force and all of a sudden realizing yeah you got one heck of a slap shot son like and they're back on the team and these cool kids who thought they were too cool are now going like can i cast can i get it yeah i'm actually interested in now being like a what do they call that like what are the people that do stuff on the news and i'm like this is incredible like before you would you wouldn't even look at us and now you're like what are those jerseys made of (sighs) this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you're absolutely right. Um, and that's kind of what I figured it would be like. Um, and, you know, and this may be kind of controversial of a thought of for me, but I've always thought, and I, I actually haven't even mentioned this to Trent. He's probably going to do a backflip when he hears it. I've always kind of low-key thought that eventually the the future af- of athletics is going to be esports. Like, like there's not going to be football anymore. There's not going to be soccer anymore. And I know that's so far fetched to think, but if you, if you think about football and all these issues that we're having with concussions and, and, you know, UFC and, and like all these bodily, you know, issues that these people are going through, it's somewhat barbaric to think about. And obviously, you know, I'll be the first one to say, I love watching hockey, dude. I love watching UFC. I'm a huge sports fan, but I just, the way that things are going, especially with this COVID thing, it really kind of pivoted everyone's mindset to esports. And uh, sure, yeah, I I, I see that in the future,
1: personally. And who doesn't like battle bots? I mean, who didn't like watching machines fight each other? Even if they're not controlled by people, or they are, we all want to call a CM to see something happen. And the arena and the games itself will continuously change as humans do. I think we'll always have that. It will always be how it all works, though. And I thought that, too. And I like to not admit sometimes that it scares me, but uh, I do think we have the ability to entertain ourselves in a safer way that ultimately in the long run might become more and more popular as we lose touch from our traditional sport values that we hold on to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you think about, like, way back in time, you know, um, Like all the gladiator fights and stuff that used to be entertainment, you know, and you were talking about Shakespeare mm-hmm. in, the, in the theater that used to be the entertainment, you know, and as things have progressed, you kind of look and now we're playing football and they have, you know, protection on their heads and their shoulders and and stuff like that, but they're still colliding and and hurting each other. And you know, and I just think that's just kind of the evolution of humanity. I think that's eventually what we're going to come down to is we're going to be very reliant on our technology and uh it's going to be teachers like you and people like you who lead lead the uh the line, so to speak.
2: It's a lot of responsibility. Yep. <laughs> it's all on you. I was just going to say something that might be Uh, I mean, this is the statements obviously a little bit ahead of maybe it's time. Here we go. Maybe, maybe controversial. But what hypothetically speaking, you know, um, let's say you discover in your, 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 your club, your, your team that you have a player that is just spectacular and just is, you know, the best at a particular esport how do you navigate working with that kid and what do you how do you think parents are reacting in a scenario like this obviously it's not like football you don't have uh the infrastructure um like max preps or anything like that that's covering scouting on on you know these kids but what do you do as you know you should be, at least I, I think it should be an avenue for you to be kind of the the director or like, you know, show explaining it. You know, I don't even really have the right words for what I'm
1: what I'm saying because it doesn't really
2: exist.
1: I think I'm definitely their academic agent. You know, mm-hmm. I think what I'm trying to do is, is say, hey, look at these set of new skills. Mm hmm. And I can tell you just from my LinkedIn profile views that the industries that view the posts that I have of my middle school talent, which they went twenty two and two in the country last year. Mm-hmm. We beat every single state we played, seventeen. And I think people notice, you know, and someone from Boise State go, We really like your caster. He's thirteen. I go, Hey, no, he's insane. He could work for channel seven in our city. He's amazing. Like, uh and my kids like who's What's Boise? I'm like, oh, God. Well, this is a learning moment, and I'm going to show you around. Like, here's, you know, and parents are like, wow. So you're telling me my verbose son has a shot going there? And I'm like, yeah. Now watch some of these videos. And guess what? You have parents cheering on the caster of the game that they're calling for a squad at the middle school, and mm-hmm. donations are coming in. You're like, what?
2: Mm hmm. But so the, I guess cool. the caveat is that there's no reason for them to, you know, go play for the university system. Actually, it's a disadvantage. It'd be better off that they played for a pro team and went to, you know, a university, you know, in tandem instead of being associated into a, you know, a varsity program at a university.
1: Sure, sure. And I honestly, as an agent, I would meet with each family with a high caliber piece of talent, and I would broker that. And I hope to model what that looks like, because a lot of my educational background comes from a Socratic philosophy is I have a select few of people, and I really work with them, and I mentor them, and I really try and bridge those relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's why you don't want to give teachers too many kids is just it's, it's impossible to manage just like you don't want your doctor to have too many patients. Like, hey, doc, like, can I just ask, like, how many other people are you working with? Like, you know, because you're sometimes like, you catching everything on my file? Like, and I think with eSports and kids, learning, goals, they all have to be within moderation. Everything, Mm -hmm. everything in moderation.
0: That's absolutely right. And, you know, speaking of moderation, are you teaching uh, these youngsters that, you know, it's very important to get your, physical exercise and as well as your mental exercise
1: <laughs> my kids hate me we do wall sits and we play clash royale and we try and we try and wall sit for the full five minutes uh if you win your match you get an extra break uh we go on runs um you know and it's really interesting you, serendipitous i i might say uh, my student teacher asked me today you know i was thinking well, he makes pizzas on the side he's like I was thinking while I was making pizzas like how do you work out your kids like like in in basketball you back skate them or you bat, you make them run and hockey you back skate them and like what do you do in esports and I was like push-ups we do lots of push-ups we go outside like I'm glad we have a track but now we don't right and so like like what do you do now it's virtual I'm like well how do you do PE when it's virtual you think they canceled track and everyone had to throw away their shoes get outside and run like the common like pedagogy of how you do things doesn't change. You're just doing it in a variety of ways. Ah, and I love it. And esports is a perfect example. People are like, you really do that? I'm like, would you rather meet them just sit there? They couldn't even handle that. Like they love to get outside. Like, come on, this is recess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's super cool, man. And you know, a lot of people don't realize that. Again, falling back on that stigma, you know. Uh you know gamers are lazy and blah, blah blah blah, all this stuff that you know we all three probably heard growing up um, no you, you know speaking of which how did your how did your parents and your family uh handle your your gaming and I know you said that you were in athletics as well, um so was I, so I can relate to that, but I still kind of got a little bit of
1: that. I think every parent needs to understand that their kid need you guys ever play like trivial pursuit. That board game, knowledge game, had like mm-hmm. the pie pieces. Yeah. Yes. And I always believe that there are all
2: these. Then that that game became uh what is it? Uh, trivia crack now. Is it really?
1: Because I didn't know what it turned out. Okay. So perfect.
2: I no, I to- mean like like the the game is now on mobile devices. So if if you were paralleling that to like a the youth today, it would be trivia crack. Oh
1: my gosh. Well the little pie pieces, <laughs> do you remember the pie piece itself? I kind of think like mm-hmm. There is a literary appetite or, or a you know, a necessary a prescription that kids need. And you know, it might be video games, it might be re- reading, it might be informal text, it might be literature, yeah. it might whatever. Kids have to get an equal share of all of that in order to have the proper, um, I would say, moderation towards this stuff. And I think the traditional student does not get a healthy appetite and I think their palette for games is disproportionate with their interest in science. And the way to use esports is to leverage their interest to naturally bring them back to the traditional values that schools bring. So that's why it's hmm. super important. It's a curricular bridge that kids are already halfway across, and they helped build it. It's up to the kids, the teachers, and the parents who all bought this stuff already, they've already invested into the market that the education world will not. I have always argued this, that my classroom will mimic the same technology you'd find in a middle-class, upper-class living room. Because as I learned last year, only 8% of households own VR, and that's not ubiquitous. And yet, you have kids that follow traditional studies that have shown forever that the higher you have an affluency factor, the more literacy kids get at an earlier age, the more successful they are later on in life. And the same holds true to technology. And you have to make the – it's like if you went to a high school and they only use triple beam balances and then you went to you know college and they're using electron microscopes and pipettes, it's not the same thing. You fall behind, you lose. Right. And it, it's not – with gaming, we're already doing it. And people go, well, it's not fair. What What about the kids who never had it? I go, they have never had it. Just like now we're worried about, what about the kids who don't have computers? I go, they never did either. And you still didn't care. And now it's like, that's the stuff that bugs me. It's like the market is here. It will be here and it will continue to exist. Look at the mm-hmm. demand for games.
0: So true, man. So true. I mean, and you know, you think about cell phones. I've, I mean, I, I have a, uh, like eight year old sister and a you know and a six year old brother, and they they both have their own cell phones, you know. So like just thinking of this generation, they they have access to all of this knowledge, unlike us growing up um, per se. So oh sure, I think for them the difference is, you know, letting them know that they have this knowledge in the palm of their hands and how to use it. They may already know how to do that, but. But I I don't know. It's just such a different thing.
1: It's it when when mommy stopped answering why she asked Alexa, and I think that's the the reality of where we're at. Is you know when you don't know the answers anymore, I I it's not that it used to be like well I can't help you with your math I just don't know it. <laughs> like well you know there are other resources now, so your kid's gonna be okay. Matter of fact, teachers are so stressed out because there are so many resources that. It doesn't even make, like they go to the toolbox and you're like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to get. Like, pfft, like this is yeah. ridiculous. And so esports is a pretty like, here's a clear and concise toolkit. Take this, find a couple schools, bring in anything that interests you about science, math, engineering, and get it in here. Have them read, write, speak, listen, language arts conventions. And let's, let's use this for learning and, and corporations Let's make some money.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, I, I definitely think humanity is going to be ready whenever the aliens come. Oh my god! <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah.
2: Trit, you got anything? Uh, yeah, I think this is where I think I'll step back and be like, you can only save so many people, and in, in your particular, um, you know, petri dish you're offered a certain socioeconomic uh, class that's able to afford a lifestyle that could potentially be at this level. Now, I don't know what, what sense of disenfranchisement you have inside of your, your school district or whatnot or what you have to do, but I can tell that you've taken a strategy that maybe not every teacher, not everybody in your community can, uh, can relate to.
1: Sure. It's definitely been like, how did you get all this stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, well, I wouldn't ask for it. Have you ever written a grant? No. Well, have you ever asked parents to bring in any of their used consoles they don't use? No. And I go, well, then obviously you haven't tried anything. So like, you know, like I, I literally, the first grant I wrote, I got it. Second grant I wrote, I got it. I asked parents, I got stuff. I actually haven't had to try too hard to fund my ideas. And the fallacy at the beginning when I started education was that you had to ask your principal. And then as I grew up, I realized you can just make your money, and it's there, and these opportunities. I would say that teachers are, you know, they have, they have a stressful load when class is going on, but there are plenty of opportunities to get money. That's how it's kind of designed, you know. The trickle-down economics for the teacher is that there are all these um, grants and things you get. And people love this type of stuff. It's the type of introductory package that gets into a school that gets the sale of so many others. And it's the seed of all of this. It's the teacher who pays for the grant with their own time and energy for the price of all of this for everybody else.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. Um, I I may pivot off of this a little bit. what do you think, you know, we talked about this earlier, you know, in terms of social aspect with gaming and, and all, all the electronics and technology involved in the youth today. <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you think that it is affecting us socially?
1: I, well, yes. And I think, I think every media form before us has as well. Like I said, we're, we we always continuously evolve the way we speak, listen, read and write and you know games are an extension of that digital literacy practice it's how we experience the world and whether we want to compete in that world with esports that's another extension of that um we will continue it to be in, to be perfectly honest i think uh i think yeah. i think it's just going to keep going yeah, for sure
2: i got uh, this is kind of an i guess w- your life decisions, what made you choose public education over private education?
1: You know, I think I had the long, the longest internship. I just saw what teaching was like and I never had a private school education, but you know, uh, I always appreciated the, the scoop of the average group of society. You know, you're like public school, I always imagine is like a, like a cup of people, you know, you're like, here's a bunch of random people who live together and i felt that way about my hockey team i felt that way about scouting i felt you know I, like even to mention earlier all that stuff kind of made me feel a little bit uh diverse you know and i think that's the answer
2: mm-hmm. and so it do you think that there's some bureaucracy in public education that's limiting the growth of esports and in, in schools
1: um i would say the collective ignorance of 10 administration who don't see the policies through that make change at an innovative level with a younger demographic and i think that's hard because the people we know this right who often seem to be in charge typically with decisions and money um are farther away from the classroom than they've ever been let's say in in, in education and in esports um I'd ask, how long has it been since you had a controller in your hand? And, and how long has it been since you tried to get RLCS-9 tickets and they canceled because of COVID? <laughs> I was upset. And you know what? I rocked those wheels because I was excited to be around the all the confetti and I wanted the hype. And uh, <sighs> everything's changing. No.
0: Yeah, it is. <laughs> the tangled web we weave.
1: I know. Uh, yeah,
0: Absolutely. Um, man, man, this has been so insightful. And I'm sure that, you know, I could carry on this convers. We, we could carry on this conversation for forever. I mean, I I could probably think of like eight other questions right now, just off the top of my head. It's just a, such an interesting conversation. And um, it's a, it's a problem that no one knows uh, the solution to at this moment, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if it's going to be positive or negative you know, but you could assume that it's positive.
1: It has to be. I mean, I I purposely, we don't allow shooter games in my school because I want to cultivate a safe environment for this. I think uh, we heard the word Petri dish. Well, I don't need any other antimicrobials and things in here. You know, what I need are um the purities, the things that lead to joy and the stuff that makes people celebrate gaming. And if I can start off with the Nintendo image of esports, I can build on to bigger and better things that people like, you know, normal esports players already know and they're upset. And I have kids who are like legitly writing letters to the principal. Why why we can't, you know, play Overwatch. It's the most fictional mm-hmm. thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, you know, the the fact that you just wrote that is epic like you you're talking about this game as fiction and you're like oh it's lasers like come on like who shoots with lasers and i'm yeah. like oh, man like this is so good you know it's like star fox and the initial super smash bros mm-hmm. i'm like yeah that's pretty much it like it's not really you know
0: come on yeah that's definitely something another interesting topic is the violence aspect of video games you know <laughs> i was like eight years old and my dad he was he was very strict in everything else, but he was like when it came to video came to video games, he was like, "Play whatever you want so I was literally playing like grand theft Auto three oh, in, <laughs> in elementary school, and it didn't affect me, you know like i I don't feel i i don't you know you know I don't really act like that or anything, and so yeah. I don't know Let
2: me, i think cam cam you and I come from. A different version of america though we come from the violent side of america army and and the police force (laughs) you know so it's it's a little different you know we we come with guns being in our lives our whole life you know being well aware of how to operate a gun how not to operate a gun you know i grew up you guys talk about um super or um so Mario, I grew up on Goldeneye. That's yeah. the, that's, where, that's where that is. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, Mario was always around, but it wasn't as fun with Jane. James Bond was in the cartridge, you know, and you're playing FPS and doing a, doing a dirty, but I just grew up in a different culture, I guess. And so I'm kind of, you know, wondering, like, how do you teach kids real life? because not everyone's going to graduate from middle school or high school and make it to, you know, be, you know, good old Frank. It, it works down at the, at the local post office, you know, that's just not the reality for a lot of people, you know?
1: Well, I think, you know, I had to tell my students this thing today, we're, we're talking about the future of work. And so their projects are mm-hmm. talking about how the things that they're interested, how it might, you know, they might, might be affected in 20 years. And, you know, the fact that Mm -hmm. students play games, I don't think isn't going to change the fact that they might still work at a grocery store when they're 56 um, Mm -hmm. as just like a, you know, a stalker or something. I I think I don't think that in the long run, the gamer is ultimately way better off than someone. But I can tell you one in eight people on this planet is illiterate. That's one billion people on this planet still to this day. Adults cannot read and write. Mm -hmm. And I bet. The digital illiteracy of students is far beyond that. Oh yeah. And I would beg the question, how detrimental is it to our society that there is a learning curve that is so high because of the inequities of who can and who can't to begin with?
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I wanna I wanna I wanna make an argument for us saying that as gamers, we have an advantage in problem solving. So I don't think that it doesn't add a add a skill set.
1: You know, yeah. There's some added conceptual architecture that I think when a player grows up as a with the identity of a gamer, that they're mm-hmm. an extra what I call a gamer lens that they see the world from, just like whether they play basketball or whatever, you add that type of, of um way of thinking. And I, I for sure like I just don't know in the long run if it will be I'm going to use it a game changer because um, game changer. Yeah, I know it could be for some, it's a catalyst for change. They don't have to become vegans,
2: but they can be game changers.
1: They mean like I did play an indie game about it and I decided that I'm not. And I'm like, okay, well like, gosh, the power (laughs) of games is amazing. You know, it's something
0: so cool too. It's educating people. Even, you know, there's people that are adults, you know, obviously like us that, (laughs) that have become super successful, from video games, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar, but there's a UFC fighter called named Max Holloway
1: And, mm-hmm. and he
0: he was the lightweight champion uh, For the longest time and he mm-hmm. he did a podcast and he talked about What got him into fighting and he said that he was playing the UFC game and he started to mimic mm-hmm. Some of the moves that they were doing and oh. eventually he he went into his first fight without a coach all he did was play mm-hmm. the game and and look at him now like it's just so cool to think about
2: oh yeah well i'll one up that one i mean demetrius mighty mouse johnson is co-owner of one esports on the philippines you know transferred over to one um the one league and which is out there one uh one sports i guess is what it's called and you know they have their own branch of esports you know and the gaming is part of the mainstream now it just is it's just it's just a part of it
1: now. You know, and I wanna just tag on top of that. It's about what you're using and doing. Yeah. I asked my kids today, like, you know, why do you think doctors have kids that become doctors? I said, how do you think someone becomes a race car driver? You think it just randomly happens? No. You're born into a story and you continue it or you're you're somehow invited into it because you have really good luck. Mm-hmm. But like with esports it's an invitation into so many interdisciplinary avenues. Like just, I, I've i been using Rocket League all day. I'm playing Rocket League a lot, but I, I, I use it. It's like this 3D collision center where kids are learning about physics before they even understand the properties of them in, in class. And they're learning about calculus and they're understanding geometry and they're doing things that conceptually would be indescribable from a textbook. And they're learning things that, I'm glad my dentist can do inverted when they're looking at my molars because I don't know how to do that move. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. really really interesting that these kids are entertaining the idea of different disciplines because they're open-minded with the way they play esports.
0: Yeah. Mhm. That's so cool. So cool, man. And like I said, we could go on for days, and I know you're a busy man. So, as it's we wrap this- talking about all this stuff, <laughs> yeah, I know you're a busy man. So, we're just going to wrap this up, I guess. Uh, do you have any plugs that you would like to uh just throw out there?
1: You know, check out JMMS Esports on Twitter, and uh, I have a website milesoflearning.com. It couldn't be more cliche for my name, and uh, <laughs> you know. Get out there and promote middle school sports in general because esports is just one more piece of that trivial pursuit pie that's going to make us all feel more complete.
0: Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. All right, Trent, you got any plugs you want to throw out there? Well, before we take off, we've got to ask our inaugural question. Yeah. Yes. If you, I was hoping you'd remember. Yeah, I'll remember. Uh, (laughs) If you were to give any piece of advice to someone who's looking to enter into the industry of esports, what would that one piece of advice be?
1: Ask your students. What do you think this should look like for teachers? For teachers, you know, and I'm only speaking on today on behalf of teachers and, and educational people because. I really do believe that's where my expertise lies. And I think if we wrap around something we talked about earlier, I think we need to acknowledge the expertises and skills, like mentioned, that come with gaming and all of the affinity spaces and Discord and abilities that they have because they're the places where change begins. And when we ask them what to do, um, then we learn what we can do for them. And that's where it all starts. Wow. Beautifully said. Yeah your school absolutely i, I always tell, i guarantee you, you need to ask your kids <laughs> like anyone want to 1v1 me after class and they're like i think i'm going to go beat this guy's butt heck yeah awesome shout out to all, <laughs> shout out to all the teachers absolutely. and professors
2: listening hope you take that nugget and rock with it awesome so on the way out i'm going to mention some things so let me get the right uh right script the right script here oh man he's pulling out the scroll Get out the right script here. Okay, guys. Uh, We're dropping some new updates on Discord for sure. Um, as you'll see, we added an FAQ, and I think I'll just go through the FAQ for a little bit here and talk about what you need to do. If you are not yet signed up and registered on the website as a member, go over to register. Uh, or actually, just go to the webpage, ebn.gg. Um, if you would like to get a um, a free access to our launch program, We're going to be running that for maybe about six months during the alpha. Go to bronze.ebn.gg and get free access to the uh, introductory bronze plan. And uh, as always, if you want to be a guest on this show, go to guest.ebn.gg. We're looking at applications uh, and so we can get to know a little bit better about what your program is and what you're doing or what your business is in esports going on over there. Check that out. Follow us on Discord, discord.ebn.gg. Uh, go to the Facebook group, group.ebn.gg. And last but not least, if you want to make a contribution, merch.ebn.gg, you get some get some merch. Uh, PayPal contribution, go to paypal.me slash esports B-I-Z-N-E-T. Small contribution goes a long way in producing this show. Um, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Dr. Harvey, we cannot thank you enough for joining. And I would certainly love to have you back again. Uh, this conversation was insightful and uh, educational. I, I definitely uh, enjoyed it and uh, I appreciate having you
1: on. I appreciate it. I'm ready for a nap. We have certainly accomplished something in the last hour. Good job. Absolutely. 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 This has certainly been a, uh, a mental exaltation if I must.
0: Absolutely. I agree. Uh, Well, folks, you've been listening to the eSports Business Network podcast. And uh, thanks for listening.